Hey guys, how's it going? Um, it is the 28th of June and I am doing my best to go back and research how to um, publish a correction uh, from my last episode about RFK Jr. and where he got his voice impediment. Um, I have listened to, at this point, um, probably over 25 segments on RFK and his position uh, running as a presidential candidate. And there, in one podcast or video, um, in one segment among many that I've listened to, he explained that I'm just going to, this is going to be the start of my correction. Uh, RFK Jr.'s voice impediment has nothing to do with a vaccine injury. And I proposed that casually uh, by mistake. That's not at all what is the case. So here's what I remember. I'm just going to start with what I remember. In <laughs> in one of the many segments that I've watched RFK stand for his own position as pre- presidential candidate, he said that in the 90s, his voice started failing. And he got, what did he get, a few messages from his fans saying, um, like, I'm so glad that you are getting emotional when you start speaking about heartfelt topics. And I remember, I don't remember where <laughs> I listened to this drop, but he he was getting annoyed. He's like, no, I'm not getting emotional. Um, it turns out he's got... Um, Well, so last night before I went to bed, I did a search on YouTube and I, the search is something like RFK Jr. explains his voice impediment. I mean, could I get any more specific? And it didn't produce, you know, Robert speaking specifically for himself. Uh, A doctor showed up. So, um... A doctor showed up. Let's, let me see if I can find this. Um, hmm. A doctor showed up. Um, let's see if I can do this. Great Awakening. Um, can I just look at my history? Look at my history. Um... So what I was trying to do was look up, yeah, Robert F. Kennedy himself speaking about his voice impediment. And basically, he explains that it started happening in the 90s. And um, it started happening in the 90s. And it's called, uh, what is it called? 
I wish I could just see what it's called. Where is my history? History. Where is my history? Um, here we go. All right. So I found a doctor speaking about... Um, I found a doctor speaking about... Oh, here we go. What is it called? Uh, mm, here we go. Ready? This is annoying. Very annoying. But here we go. Hello, I'm Michael Pierce, and this is The Human Condition. Today, we're talking about vocal dysphonia and, and uh, vocal dystonia. This is, a, this is a controversial topic in that we don't have a cure for any dystonia or dysphonia, but we have some methods that have been proven anecdotally and clinically to make a difference, but they're highly individualized. And so I want to acknowledge many other doctors besides me that talk about individual personalized medicine because you can't make a cookie cutter method. You can't say that science determines that one treatment is gonna be for everybody. It's, it's quite different, but essentially the, what the subtitle of this would be would be, how would I treat Robert F. Kennedy Jr. if he were my patient? Now, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is a famous living person today who is one of my heroes. He is the head of Children's Health Defense, and he has the most, probably one of the most famous cases of vocal dysphonia where it's pretty classical. You can see and hear it in his, in his voice and in his speech, and it's a, a sad case that I believe uh, happened from a medical intervention that, that went wrong. And so um, uh, he didn't always have this. It happened to him as an adult. And this difficulty gives a characteristic speech pattern of interrupted glottal stops, where the person's problem is not in their diaphragm so much as it's in their vocal cords, and it's in the intrinsic control of their vocal cords that is unconscious. And this pathway is partly in the cortex of the brain, but very, very much in the basal ganglia and in the cerebellum of the brain, which are the automatic control pathways that control how our inner vocal cord control muscles work and outer vocal cord control muscles work. So Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is a public person, and so he's uh, subject to us discussing this. So I'm not diagnosing him. He's already been diagnosed. And I'm not treating him. I'm just proposing what I would do and have done treating other people with this difficulty. And, and how it's worked well for me and for them, and how I would do it if I were working on him. And he's a big boy, he can handle this if he sees this video. So, Robert. So, Robert. <laughs> so, Robert, I am so annoyed that so so one thing that's happening for me as a human being on planet Earth in 2023, I almost said 2024. Huh. I think my soul <clears throat> wants to advance to 2024 and skip this whole shit show of a year that is unfurling. But But, you know, let it unfurl. Let's let the shit show happen. Um, so as I said, I, I heard Robert F. Kennedy Jr. share the story personally himself, how he got this vocal, um, 
I have to, I'm a visual person, so I have to look at what it's called. Vocal dystonia, vocal dysphonia. Um, I swear you can heal from, I swear you can heal from this, Robert. I, and because I'm a language teacher and I care about phonetics and the sound of everything and I love music, I am listening, you know, I'm trying to listen to your words in terms of, you know, your motivation and interest in running for president of the United States for 2024, but I just can't help it. I'm, I'm riveted by, by this very, I think because I myself am an orator, you know, I have my podcast, I have been outspoken my whole life. I have Irish DNA and the Irish are sort of born to keep talking no matter what, whether you shoot us or try and shut. Oh, oh, wow. I did not, that was not like a Freudian slip. Um, uh, referring back to JFK. <sighs> Being shot as he was trying to speak his truth and prevent war as president of the United States in 1963. But, um, yeah, us Irish folk, we do not shut up easily. I mean, my dad is where I get these Irish genes and he's a talker. I mean, he can talk till the cows come home. He can tell jokes. He can explain things. He can agree with you. He can disagree with you. So anyway, all I'm saying is I'm still frustrated because um, I'm trying to find RFK Jr. speak about his vocal, I don't know, would he call it dystonia or dysphonia? I think I'm going to call it dysphonia because that's, uh, um, in terms of etymology, dysphonia it means you can't make the sounds you can't make the sounds so i'm i'm really going to do my best to go back and hear i want him to explain to us what's happening but it's also interesting that in this little um segment that i shared the doctor said two things that many people wouldn't um, contemplate or know. And one is that RFK Jr. is the head of the Children's Health Defense. Well, let me mention right now that I had stepped out of the voting system for many years because from my perspective, I was realizing that both sides were infected, you know, Republican, Democrat, you couldn't vote independent. I tried to do that in the nineties. I voted for Nader, um, when he still had his sanity and then that effed everything up. And then that was, what was that Al Gore against Bush Jr. God, God, we've had some terrible voting seasons in the United States, but Um, 
so Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is head of the Children's Health Defense. And I'm not even going to state that as fact. That's what this guy says. That's what this doctor says, who is addressing his vocal dysphonia. And then the second thing that I wanted to mention was, uh, oh, that this doctor is suggesting that he thinks RFK Jr.'s uh, vocal dysphonia, his speech impediment, was caused by a medical, um, what would we call that? He called it, uh, um, well, that the voice impediment was caused by some sort of medical procedure. I mean, let's go back. Who's the doctor? Who's the doctor who treated RFK Jr.? Who was that doctor? What was he treating? Where this doctor, who's explaining vocal dysphonia, is saying he thinks RFK Jr. lost his ability to speak clearly with control due to some medical um, uh, uh, medical procedure. That's crazy. Okay, so I'm going to try, now I'm going to go down the rabbit hole and do research on that when really I was just trying to (laughs) go into my YouTube history and find RFK Jr. stating for himself when, when this vocal dysphonia happened and perhaps how he doesn't state how it happened. He just says it happened in the 90s. So let's get that straight. American voters, let's get our facts straight. That's the only reason. I mean, it's funny. I started this podcast on November 22nd, um, 2020, or was it 23rd? And it was the it was the anniversary of um, JFK's assassination. This is why I started my whole podcast. So I I have to feel that this is very important. And I am an Irish American who has my voice. Um, and so I want to stand for RFK Jr. and just try and share as much as I can. So the next drop that I'll do, he's doing a town hall in New Hampshire. And somebody asked the question, why do you feel like you're qualified to be president? And his answer is a gobstopper. Like, I was... <laughs> I mean, it's such an amazing answer. Um, it has to do with... Uh, it has to do with... Ending the flourishing and vitality of the American family farm. And it's so disgusting. It's so disgusting. It's such cruelty against animals, pigs specifically, that I actually had to stop listening and cry for a few minutes. So I just, I hope you can all stick with me as I explore RFK's whole, 
I mean, what, what would we call this? Is It's a crusade. It's a truth crusade. He's traveling across the country. I don't even know how he does this. He's speaking on news channels, in podcasts, uh, across the world every day. Um, maybe because he is a successful lawyer, he can take a year off from his practice and still make money, still have money for, um, still have money for his campaign trail. Wow. Um, there's an old man across the street that's wheeling a bucket of water into the church. I wonder what that's for. Anyway, uh, back to the subject at hand, RFK Jr. My only intent for my next um, coming podcast is that I can share as much as I can about the integrity that I believe you have. So please enjoy everyone. Listen, drink it up and use your mind, please use your mind. Please start using your critical thinking skills. Please, 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 I beg of you. Please, including my dad. Dad, I want you to use your critical thinking skills. I know you're in your 80s, but that's no excuse to just vote for Trump again. I need you to use your critical thinking skills. Thank you. into it with Thalia Flores. Hi, Thalia. Nice to meet you. Welcome. Um, other than your extensive environmental experience, what qualifies you to be the president? Uh, um, uh, thank you, Thalia. I, um, you know, I, I, one of the things in my campaign, one of the principal themes in my campaign is this corrupt merger of state and corporate power which has turned many of the regulatory agencies into predators against the American public and against the principles of our country. And these are the, you know, the, the um, and those agencies are agencies that I think I have a better uh, capacity to reform than, any, than almost anybody else who could run for this office. And the reason for that is I've spent many, many years suing the litigating against these agencies. Oh, as 35 years as a, one of the leading environmental lawyers in this country, I filed hundreds of suits, over 500 suits, but about 20% of those were against EPA or the state regulatory agencies. And EPA is a captive agency. It's working, it no, it's no longer works exclusively for the American public. It's functioning to serve, in many cases, the mercantile interests of the industries that it's supposed to regulate. So when I sued Monsanto over Roundup, uh, one of the things that we discovered during the litigation process from through discovery were email trains between top executives of Monsanto and the head of the pesticide division at uh, EPA a man named Jess Rowland, who was secretly, during all of those years, working for Monsanto instead of the American people. And unfortunately, that is more the rule throughout these regulatory agencies than not. 
I'm representing a thousand uh, families in Columbiana County, Ohio, on the Norfolk Southern Spill, and the Norfolk Southern Spill is the direct result of agency capture of the the, the capacity of the railroads to disable DOT's regulatory function and replace it and turn it into a sock puppet for the industry it's supposed to regulate. I've spent 20 years suing um, the on on the issues of, of factory farms and food processing industry and USDA is which was created to foster the, and, and protect family farmers in this country and to protect the integrity of our food supply is now the instrument for uh, for the, the monopoly takeover of American farming by these large corporations. And I'll just give you a quick example. Uh, I spent a lot of years suing Smithfield Food. Smithfield developed a form of producing hogs Smithfield went to alliance with a state senator from, from North Carolina um, named Wendell Murphy, who passed about 20 laws that made it almost impossible to sue a factory farm. No matter how much, you know, how badly they stink, how, many, how much poison is coming out of the farm, what they dump onto the land, etc. He then left and went into partnership with Smithfield, and they created a slaughterhouse in North Carolina that slaughters 30,000 hogs a day. They were able, because they control slaughter capacity, they were able to reduce the price of hogs to two cents a pound, it, from 60 cents a pound. Okay, so I have a new question and I, I tried to do a little research to learn how RFK might have lost his voice since the 90s and I don't have a, um, I don't have a definitive answer. Uh, I feel like somewhere along the line, somebody said, it was an injury so what kind of injury was it how, how did RFK get injured how did his voice get injured such that he couldn't speak well I I wish he would talk about this so RFK junior I'm gonna ask you to talk about how you think that your voice got injured. I think it's a very interesting topic. Um, I, I've done research on whatever your injury is. It's called, um, what is it called? <sighs> I'm not gonna remember right now, but, but how did you injure your voice? How did your voice get injured? Would you like to talk about that, Robert? Because I feel like that's a really important topic. So I'm going to leave this open and just say, RFK Jr., I'm asking, how do you think that your voice got injured? 
full stop. Ching chong. All right, so this is a little crazy. This is um, on July 4th. It's 11.38 p.m. It's before the next day, which would be a July 5th. Uh, July 4th is um, uh, every country has a liberation day. So supposedly 4th of July is, is when the United States claimed their freedom. And I mean, what does that even mean, really? Uh, I'm trying to gather what it means for each country to claim their freedom when, I mean, did they really? Did they really claim their freedom? Um, so let's say all the founding fathers really wanted to be free of the tyranny of the, I mean, who is this? The English bank? Who is the English bank? The English bank is, uh, um, oh, I wish I could think of the name, Rothschilds. So all of these people basically got on boats and took a lot of risks to come to what is now the United States. And, and, and now everyone's just so confused about who's the good guy and who's the bad guy. And then whenever I listen to freedom fighters talk about why the United States is so important, it's because these men, it was men at that time, uh, decided to try and found a new colony beyond the, the tyranny, I have to say it again, the tyranny of... Uh, um, the tyranny of the United Kingdom, of the crown, hope, hope, my friend, hope, um, when COVID started, I dropped a few recordings saying, first on Facebook, and then I started my podcast saying, uh, what like like why are we here who who are the united states um and so i'm gonna i'm gonna celebrate my version of how i feel like freedom happens with the beastie boys so get ready for this uh i'm gonna start with the drop of brass monkey so boom 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 get with me ching chong
That funky monkey, brass monkey, that funky monkey. Okay, I'm I'm gonna stop and say what brass monkey is for me. So I was a teenager when the Beastie Boys came up, so I'm peers with them. Like I was born in the same era as them. I was born in 1968. These Beastie Boys were you know, I would have to go back and, you know, find their birth dates and do a whole profile on who they are, these amazing boys, these three Jewish boys. I'm going to say what I know. I'm not going to talk about what they were even doing because I don't, I don't even know. But um, uh, I feel like the Beastie Boys were three... Jewish boys who were coming up in New York and were trying to transmit and realize that they could do hip hop, that they didn't have to be black, that they didn't have to act black, that they could come from their own uh, perspective. And I think actually somebody's uncle, one of their uncles was a big deal guy in recording history in the United States. So um, it was a surprise that the Beastie Boys became big. Like, I don't think they were supposed to become big because they were not black. They were not doing the the same hip-hop thing that brothers were doing um, in this country but in New York New York is a very special place New York is where new things happen and uh, so when I was a teenager I, di- I didn't quite I wasn't hip to it but you know later in my 20s I was very interested in how did these three Jewish boys become famous and then one of the boys died of cancer. That's also very sad and disturbing. And then the band was disbanded. So I'm not going to speak too much about this, but I loved, I always loved everything um, Beastie Boys were doing. So what I'm going to do next is Brass Monkey, That Funky Monkey. And in Chinese astrology, I am a monkey. So I'm very in touch with, monkey is the wild child. It's the one who's doing something different. It's the one who's bringing a new experience. And so I'm not sure what else I'm gonna do for this drop, but I'm gonna talk about the Beastie Boys. So thank you for listening. (laughs) Um, You know, I'm into RFK as a presidential 
potential uh, candidate, but then, but then I'm not because I'm so sick of voting for liars. So what if RFK says he's telling the truth, but he's not? You know, what if, what if he's got some agenda to, oh God, it gets so complicated. I love you all. I love the Beastie Boys. I really want you to focus on the notion that I love music so much and we can bring this country back. I'm not sure how, but we will bring this country back. Brass monkey, that funky monkey. Brass monkey, that funky monkey. And then I'm gonna play maybe intergalactic because I feel like we need to rise to a galactic place beyond countries' borders, beyond being American, beyond thinking that like some presidential candidate is gonna save us. Uh, why did one of the members of Beastie Boys die of cancer? This is very sad. I think it was, it had to do with stress. Uh, they got so big so fast, unexpectedly, that even their uncle, you know, couldn't understand in the recording industry that they would become so big. And then what I'd like to talk about maybe in future podcasts is how the Beastie Boys uh, created relationships with other people in the hip hop community. Um, that's its own movement. And so I think I'm more interested in creative people making movements far beyond the political realm. It's just so disturbing. It's so, uh, it's so fixed. So I, I wish, um, I wish RFK Jr. the best. I do. I wish him the best, but what do we do? What do we do as everyday people? I love music. I'm going to make music. I hope you will make music with me. Brass monkey. That funky monkey. Okay, and now maybe I'll play intergalactic and then I'm going to have to break it all down. Ching chong. <laughs>